Before we get started with today's show, I'm here to tell you about Brez Coffee Company, made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. Do you like lighter medium roast? Then try the Necro Medium, Holy Grail Light, or Stamina Boost. Or if you're like me and prefer darker roast, try the Critical Dark or the Coup Slayer Mocha Roast. But what if you can't pick just one? Then try one of their specialty sample packs, perfect for an all-night gaming or in the case of my fellow filmmakers, an all-night editing session. Forget about all the crappy coffee you've been buying at the grocery store and head on over to brezcoffeeco.com. Use the promo code DDE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Have you ever thought to yourself after listening to this podcast, why didn't Derek ask this question? Or why didn't he ask that question? I know I certainly have. Well, you get the chance to do that if you sign up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. You get the chance to ask guests of the show a question. If you're a fan of the top five list, you get the chance to vote on what the topic will be. You also get early access to episodes, accessibility to my film scripts, and so much more. And you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And we want to thank our patrons, Tim Spivey and Shannon Williams. Thanks so much for your continued contributions. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing my conversation with Robert Conway and Eva Hamilton from the film Skinwalker, which is a combination of Western and horror slash suspense, which when I found out about this film and had the chance to watch it, I was intrigued by the genre alone because... I wouldn't really think of putting those two together, but it was done in a really cool way. And I got to give them credit for that. And they tell some fantastic stories about the making of this film and so much more. I had a great time chatting with them and hopefully you have just as much fun listening to it as well. So here is my conversation with Robert and Eva. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome my two special guests this week, director Robert Conway and actress Eva Hamilton. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having us. Absolutely. How are how are both of you doing today? I know we were we were just talking about, uh, I know Eva, we were talking before we started, you're based out in uh, L.A. Robert, are you based out in L.A. as well? No, I'm based in Arizona. Oh, cool. So not, not extremely Tempe, Arizona, kind of Phoenix area. Not and I'm actually far. from the same area he's from. So cool. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, so small world. Yeah. So uh, let, let's just dive right in. And I, I, I always enjoy you know, getting everyone's backstory because I think the common knowledge when it comes to working in film is there's no real set way to get into the industry. Everyone has their own special story or unique way that they got in. It's almost like no two ways are exactly alike. So uh, Robert, we'll start with you. What was it that initially made you want to get into the world of filmmaking? I was always into it. Even when I was a really little kid, just my grandmother had this big, huge, you know, ginormous VHS uh, camcorder. And I used to make movies with neighborhood friends and I always just kind of did it. So it was always the thing that just kind of came. Um, my desire to do it was always very natural. 
um, my uncle who was in uh, post-production uh, out in Hollywood, you know, I was a really little kid who would explain to me how like in Star Wars, that mega spaceship is really just a model. And, you know, I was just always fascinated by everything behind the scenes in cinema. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, I, I never really seriously contemplated doing anything else and just been pursuing it ever since. I'm like you in the sense that I remember watching Star Wars for the first time on the old uh, VHS original trilogy set. And they had like the behind the scenes features before each movie kind of going into a little bit of the backstory on how the films were made. And I remember seeing the model of the Death Star Trench and everything and just was blown away by it. So I'm right there with you that, you know, the behind the scenes process has always fascinated me when it comes to filmmaking, just cause it's, it's so yeah. the process is so in depth and so many moving parts happen and so many different avenues and accomplishments have to happen in order to make a movie happen. So it, it's, it's really fascinating, but uh, what about that's, you, Eva? That's um, well, I came from a theater background. I've always done some kind of performance. I did dance when I was younger and then I got into theater. Um, I always loved film though. Like I grew up always at Blockbuster, like nightly, that was my thing. And I loved that. And I really loved indie movies and just the storytelling behind them, I guess, always just kind of drew me to that. And then I, I studied theater for quite a long time, got a little bit involved in the film scene in, um, at, at ASU where I went to college. And then from there, I kind of fell in love with it and just moved to LA. And that's, I just was like, this is the thing I have to do this. So, yeah. Well, that's a common thing too, is that it's when people dabble into the industry, if you know, it's what you want to do, you don't want to do anything else. You know, it's almost like a drug in a way like you, you get, it's an outlet that gives you something that no one else or, or no other thing does. That's and, true. and it's, you know, from what limited work I've had on sets with, you know, a couple of shorts that were filmed here and then directed my own short film a couple of years ago. It's, it's really, it's a really fun, exhausting, but very fun process to be, to be a part of. And it's interesting that you said you, you grew up being a fan of independent film. Because I feel like with the rise of you know Netflix, Hulu, and all these other streaming platforms, there's much more of a ability and a format for indie filmmakers to be able to showcase their work that you know wasn't around 20 years ago. That's definitely true. Yeah, I mean, I've I loved film just in general, but I really grew up on a lot of the independent filmmakers back in that era. Like I was obsessed with Todd Solondz. He was totally my favorite and I think um, just seeing a lot of that independent stuff that you could literally go and pick up off the shelf and look at and it was just really I don't know it was really fascinating to me and there certainly wasn't the market for it that there is now but um, I think that made it kind of special and now everybody really has a chance to do that which is amazing too that is true what about you Robert what was your first uh, I guess exposure to the independent side of the filmmaking world um well, the first job I had in the industry, I was 20 years old and my uncle was producing a film. There was an LA based production shooting in Payson, or, or, sorry, Prescott, Arizona. And they needed a production assistant. I didn't even know what that was or what the job entailed, but I volunteered for it. And I always look at that as like my filmmaking boot camp because it was a very independent feature. Uh, I don't know what it ever even came out, but it was a great experience for me. I saw all the different departments as a PA, you really you see all the different, uh, how production works or sometimes doesn't work. Um, 
but I, before I went to film school, I did that. I had that experience to kind of draw from a real world uh, experience. And I think that helped better equip me for film school and then realizing what, you know, what the real world is like uh, versus, you know, what you might dream about at film school. So that's basically how I got my start. Well, I think that brings up a great point is that as great as classes can be, there's nothing quite like the on-the-job training that you get from being on an actual set because you really get to see how everything works. You get to see the directors working with the actors to prepare for a scene. You get to work with the DP setting up the lights. You get to work with you know, grips doing what they do and so on and so forth. And being a production assistant, I tell people all the time, start out as a PA because you get to really see everything and you might get to do a little bit of everything and always be observant and always pay attention to what's going on because just you can learn a lot by watching and then doing at least that's how I've always been absolutely no, you're yeah. absolutely right I completely agree I mean it is the best film school you might not get paid I didn't get paid but they fed me and they gave me a you know a room and that was they gave me the best film school I ever, ever had, you know, so um, I encourage people to do it before they go to film school. Nothing worse than spending $100,000 in education to find out this isn't for you. So, you know, um, there's always an independent feature out there in need of help. So I encourage young people, if you're interested in film, uh, try to do it as an internship. You're going to learn a heck of a lot. And, you know, it's a, it, again, it's I always consider it my boot camp, you know, just uh, getting through that shoot, which was as all independent films, a, a difficult shoot with a series of challenges. I really feel like uh, that gave me at least an entry, just a glimpse of what this world really was. No, for sure. And I, I, kind of going back to the independent scene, I had no idea that there were films being made all over the country and really even all over the world. Because you know, growing up, I remember watching movies and various shows and reading that, you know, oh, this was filmed at, you know, Universal Studios in Hollywood or Universal Studio. You get the rare Universal Studios in Florida for those who grew up watching Nickelodeon. And you're thinking, you know, you'd have to move out to L.A. or move to, you know, maybe New York to get into the film scene. But especially with doing this podcast, I've met filmmakers who live in Memphis, who live in Texas, who might live in Seattle, Portland, that's the great thing about technology and filmmaking now is, you know, there's so many more means to be able to do it. Very true. Yeah. I didn't know that either. I, mean, I was I think you're right. Yeah, it, it's been yeah, a, I mean, it's, it's interesting. LA's, oh, go ahead. Right. LA is still the hub for sure. But yeah, I mean, sometimes it behooves you not to be based in LA. Uh, the cost of living is very expensive. And the other thing for independent films is, we don't impress anybody in California. You know, nobody's going to cut us a break on a location fee or a, a permit or anything like that. So if you're somewhere else, it's kind of, you know, usually people are excited about movies pretty much anywhere outside of New York, LA, maybe Chicago, people are still excited about film. Um, that can be a huge advantage when you don't have much of a budget. So that's really, good. yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's what I was going to ask too, is you you know, being in LA or somewhere that's, you know, a big city, is it harder to film? Cause you see so many, you know, projects that go outside of LA or New York, you know, like Atlanta's booming, New Orleans is booming. 
is it really a disadvantage to work in LA because you know, like LA is known for, for Hollywood is known for putting out movies. So I, I can see that, you know, if you went to say like a convenience store in LA, you might be like, Oh yeah, whatever. No, you can't shoot here, but you go to somewhere in, you know, Kentucky and they're like, yeah, we're all about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, basically at a certain spend, you have to go out of state unless you're multi multi uh, million, uh, you can't really finance the pictures without the rebate that the state offers, which provides up to 30% of your budget. So that's where you see so many films happening in Georgia, Kentucky, New Mexico, um, you know, anywhere from that two to $6 million price point, pretty much every movie is going to be filmed in one of those incentivized territories. Uh, below that. Yeah. You, you tend to want to avoid LA because it's, it's difficult just to get, yeah. Like you said, the Seven Eleven location can be, can be difficult. Um, and above that, like the really big budget films, they just shoot wherever they want. You know, obviously the Avengers don't don't really factor that into their into their thought process. But um, yeah, but if we're independent, it's L.A. is not the greatest place. I mean, it is nice to be in the TMZ, um, particularly if you're a union film. There are certain advantages to that. But um, yeah, the disadvantages quickly uh, pile up. You know, the biggest one being that they don't offer a rebate. I mean, they do, but it's incredibly limited and hard to get in California. So, or in New York is kind of the same thing. So um, if you can find a state that's really film friendly, like New Mexico is, that's, that's definitely the way to go. For sure. So kind of backtracking a little bit and Eva, we'll start with you. You mentioned you had your background in theater. You decided you wanted to get into film. You moved out to Los Angeles what was next after that? How did you start getting your foot in the door and getting your career to blossom like it has? Um, well, it took a while. It took a lot of dedication. And I mean, when I first, I did, I did some film in Arizona before I came here, but when I first moved out here, I was submitting for like everything I could just before I even had an agent or a manager, just self-submitting. Um, and I did, student films at UCLA and AFI and USC and kind of just anything I could to get good footage. Um, and I used that to just get a reel together, to submit to agents and to be able to submit to better projects. And I found that the connections I made with people were really the biggest thing, like by far, just, you know, I'd work on something, I'd be professional, they'd remember me, I'd get brought back for something else or some, you know, a friend of a friend would remember you and bring you back. And I think that was kind of the key in the beginning. And then once I got into horror, that's kind of a small little family and community, especially in LA. So that opened a lot of doors because people had seen various horror things I did. And that was helpful as far as doing more of that. But I've also been able to expand into um, other genres and whatnot, but it's just, it really just takes some time. And I think being just kind of having a thick skin and just remaining in, in it and, and doing it and being true to yourself and just knowing that, you know, ultimately you'll get to where you want to be, but it's a process. It's a labor of love, I guess. Well, and that's, that's one thing that I always admire about actors, especially. And you, you touch on a great point that everyone sees the success side of, you know, a movie being released and, you know, you might see, you know, an interview on YouTube of, you know, talking about like with the director, like the star actor of how, you know, excited they are for the product to be finished and the fans to see it. But a lot of fans don't see what goes on behind the scenes and just the countless hours that you have to put in and keep, you know, sometimes oh my God, getting, 
sometimes getting, you know, in, in acting cases, rejection after rejection after rejection. That's why oh, I yeah. can never be an actor because at some point I'll just be like, okay, I've, I've had enough. I, I can't do this, but uh, it's, really, it's similar to like social media. It's like, no one's posting when they're having a bad day and they look terrible. Everyone's like, everything's so great. Life is perfect. And of course, you know, you're not seeing me come home from an audition and like, be like, Oh my God, I totally, you know, did not do well at that or something. It's like everybody you're just putting, everyone's just seeing the best of the best. And I think that's, you have to be very aware that that's this much of the picture. That's just life. Oh, yeah. Was that something as an actor that you had to learn pretty quickly was to have thick skin and just keep persevering? Yeah. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I do think I was lucky and that I was able to kind of work from the start when I got here, but it wasn't in big, you know, huge things. And it, there was, there was certainly rejections. I mean, absolutely. So yeah, you, you have to learn that. And I think if you don't, you're going to, that's when those are the people that are going to kind of stop doing it. They're going to find other things to do. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you have to really be okay with being criticized and being rejected. And that's just part of the process. Yeah, it is for sure. So let's talk about a project that the two of you worked on together called Skinwalker. And this from the trailer alone, I could tell that this was going to be a fun you know, collection of genres that I would have never thought to put together. That being like horror slash suspense and a Western. And I just remember sitting and watching the trailer and thinking, this looks really, really cool. So how are both of you and Robert, we'll start with you. Um, how did you become attached to the project and how was your experience making it? Well, I was just, you know, like everybody last year, I was in quarantine and I was really bored. And I'd wanted to work with Eva for a long time. So I just contacted her and I was like, do you want to make a movie? Like, we'll go up on top of a mountain with very few actors and basically no budget. And, and just do something in quarantine rather than binge watch Netflix. So that's kind of how it came about. And then I wrote a script that was more or less, uh, you know, a bit COVID influenced, honestly. The Skinwalker is kind of this invisible enemy. You don't know who has it and who doesn't. Uh, I wanted to work on that theme. It was very topical. It was what everyone was thinking about. But also putting it in the world of the Western, it had enough uh, distance so that it would be entertaining. I didn't want to do a quarantine movie. That's a little too much on the nose. I'm personally saying too soon for those, but you know, nothing against people who are doing them. I, that was just my feeling. And that's kind of how it came about, really. It was a chance to work with Eva and, yeah, stop watching Tiger King reruns. So. <laughs> I feel like you can only watch that show once and you really get your, get the, get the gist of it. Yeah. Then you get all the parodies though, which are hysterical. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Funny enough, the, um, the medical place that uh, Joe exotic got arrested at was about uh, 20, 25 minutes from where I live. Oh, wow. at the, uh, at the Andrews Institute. Yeah. It was where he got arrested. It's a trip. That whole yeah. thing is such a trip. That whole world is such a trip. I I remember watching, I finally finished watching that show, and my initial thought was, I feel like I just watched the redneck version of Game of Thrones. <laughs> that's a good, yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah. It is, is how I felt about well, that. It was, it was very entertaining, but man, it was wild. It was very yeah, wild. Yeah, it was fun. 
So what about you, Eva? How, how did you how did you react when you were approached with the idea of this? And uh, how was your experience making it? Well, I mean, I also wanted to work with Robert. I met him. Um, we, you know, we hit him up. We hit it off. He's a he's a great person and a really talented filmmaker and very similar. I mean, it was it, COVID had kind of just hit. We were all just like sitting around like Hollywood shut down. I had films that got postponed. So I really had a lot of time on my hands suddenly. And um, so Robert reached out and, it, you know, it sounded like a really cool concept. And it was a it was a unique experience and a you know, just to jump into something during a global pandemic. So it, it was, you know, kind of like, why not? This sounds fun. And we're all just sitting around. It's like, let's, let's make something. And I think the passion that went into it because of that, because it was all these people that just wanted to, you know, to work, to create something special really shows. I think that's what helps make it what it is. I agree. Well, I think despite everything that was going on and still is, you know, with the pandemic, I think, the fact that you all went out and made something is pretty remarkable because I've talked with so many people on the show that all they did was write. And granted, that's not a bad thing because you have the perfect opportunity to do it. And I still think, you know, like we see the light at the end of the tunnel with the pandemic, but I think, you know, now and really over the next year or so, we're just going to see this huge, wave of creativity, meaning that a lot of things that were written during COVID when everyone was in quarantine, especially on the indie side, I think we're going to see just movie after movie after movie. I think there's almost going to be too much content, but I'm, <laughs> I'm personally looking forward to that. But as prop, props to you two and everyone else on the cast and crew who, who did that. That's, that's pretty Very remarkable. Much. That's pretty remarkable, but, but, um, yeah, as I far as right for so long. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I, get bored. I need to go out and make. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand that feeling, but, uh, as we start to wrap up here, uh, where can people watch uh, skinwalker? Is it available online? Yeah. I mean, all the major VOD platforms will have it, you know, Amazon, iTunes, uh, I, it will get to Tubi eventually. I don't know when, but it will be there. Uh, Vudu, uh, Xbox, DirecTV. So, you know, it's on all the majors. Um, just basically you pick the platform you like. It's more than likely it's there. Um, and uh, it will come to DVD, home video uh, in October. So look for that. It'll be at Walmart. I know that. And probably Amazon as well, I expect. Fantastic. And uh, is there any projects that the two of you have coming up either together or uh, individually? Eva, we'll start with you. Yeah, we do have one coming up together. In fact, um, it's called Hellhounds. It's a really cool story. It's new. Uh, so that's happening soon. I'll let Robert say more about that. Um, and I've had a lot of stuff happening. I have um, a movie coming up at the end of the month called All of You Will Die. It's a horror anthology series I'm really excited about. And a lot of stuff I'm kind of waiting to come out that we shot and then it's taking its time because of COVID and life and the industry and whatnot. What about you, Robert? Yeah. No, Hellhounds is my next project and Eva's starring in it again. It's about biker werewolves. So how can we possibly go wrong? It's just a fun movie. <laughs> I just want to have fun with movies. Um, and it's, you know, kind of like a Robert Rodriguez style, uh, dust till dawn kind of, you know, escapism movie with, uh, with a fun script and a great cast and we're going to, uh, we're going to have fun with it for sure. I'll have to have both of you back on to talk about that. Cause that sounds amazing. Definitely. definitely. 
And uh, I always like to end the conversations with this. And Robert, we'll start with you. What is one piece of advice that you have for an aspiring filmmaker? Um, learn something new every day because you guys are very lucky young people today. You have this world of information available as far as cinematic technique, as far as at any part of the industry that you're interested in or that you're drawn to, you can learn about it. Uh, don't wait for film school. Don't wait for somebody to, you know, teach you something at a class, try to find some, you know, there's great cinematographers who put up these blogs where they just explain so many different things and they do it for free, you know? So like, just try to learn something new every day and, and try to just develop, you know, get yourself a camera. It doesn't matter if it's your phone or whatever you have, uh, you know, a light can be whatever, anything, a practical lamp, if it has to be, just start understanding, you know, the basic rules of filmmaking and why things work a certain way and why, how filmmakers get those results. But yeah, if you just look at it every day, if you learn something new, then, you know, trust me, you can live to be 500 and not learn everything, but it will strengthen you as a creative person and as a filmmaker. That's awesome. What about you, Eva? That's a really good answer, Robert. Um, I would say, I would say learn your craft, you know, continuously be learning continuously be studying and watching great performances, taking classes, working, doing films, creating content. And part of that, I think that's important is, and maybe isn't mentioned as much is life experience and just going out there and living because that's, you know, you're bringing who you are to what you do and to your performance as a character. And I've said before on interviews that I think what separates actors from other actors is who they are themselves and what they bring to this character and this experience. So I think, learning what you're doing and becoming a human that is well-rounded and has experience and life, life experience to bring, to bring to roles. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, totally. That's great. And finally, uh, do you That's great have... advice for writers as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And finally, uh, do you each have any website or social media you'd like to plug so the listeners can follow you? Um, Eva, we'll start with you. I pretty much just use Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Eva S. Hamilton. That's kind of my main thing. Robert? Yeah, I'm older than Gia, so I'm still mainly Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think I'm Film Guy 79, I believe. If you Google me, Robert Conway Filmmaker, it should bring up all my stuff. I'm sorry, I'm not more savvy on that. I really should be, but. Oh, no worries. No worries. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to come on the show. This was a great chat. Thank you so thank much you for having us. It was great talking. Thanks again to Robert Conway and Eva Hamilton for that awesome conversation about Skinwalker. Be sure to check it out on Video On Demand and be sure to follow them on social media to find out what they'll be up to next. For next week's show, I'll be chatting with returning guest Patrick Kilpatrick. You might remember him as one of the first guests I interviewed when I relaunched the show to focus on film and TV. He comes back on the show to talk about his uh, production company, Uncommon Dialogue Films, as well as some other fun projects that he's got in the works. And it's also the return of the top five list. I'll be doing my top five movie twists. So thank you to the Patreon subscribers for that awesome choice. I can't wait to do it. Be sure to send in your list. Be sure to check out my social media to find the thread. Leave your comments there and I'll read your list on the show. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. 
If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. I'm also on Patreon at patreon.com slash D Diamond Podcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. Be sure to check out their new album, Call for a Good Time, which you can find on Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you get your music, and be sure to follow them on social media. That's going to do it for this week's show. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday. Thursday.